I do think that community is and has to be at the heart of this project because if there's no social licence, if there's no community interest in the fact that we're losing these seaweed forests, then there's really no pathway to influencing decision makers, people who have research grants. You know, we need our community to actually also be really engaged with what's happening in their harbour and to care enough to, you know, add their voices to that and to understand what we're losing. Kia ora, nā mai haramai ki te hurahanga. Hello and welcome to Our Changing World. Ko and kanan dene. That's the voice of Zoe Studd. She's co-director of Mountains to Sea Wellington and the project lead for Love Rimurimu. Love Rimurimu is working on regenerating Wellington's ocean forests. We began with an education programme called Love Rimurimu. We delivered that with a number of schools, uh, taking them snorkelling, talking to seaweed experts, trying to create sort of, uh, you know, different products from seaweeds as well, so looking at kai or fertilisers or bioplastics. And through that education programme, you know, some of the students we've been working with from Te Kura Kaupapa Māori o Ngā Mokopuna, who are here on the Miramar Peninsula in Motukairangi, they said, well, let's start trying to grow some seaweeds inside our harbour. So that really then kicked off the pathway to us looking at restoration. We're standing near the boat club at Worser Bay, Hutia Kakariki, on Wellington's Miramar Peninsula, to Motu Kairangi. This is where the action will be happening. Today we've got some seaweeds that are coming from Niwa, and um, those seaweeds are, are being blessed by Taranaki Wānui before they get returned to our restoration site here at Wursa Bay. And so the aquaculture lead from Niwa is bringing them to the site, and we're meeting here um, some of the students who have been a part of the restoration project, some of the kayako from Namukapuna um, and our community science lead, and we're going to be doing some planting out. The aim is to help the regeneration of seaweed forests in Wellington Harbour. So it's a big collaborative project involving Taranaki Whanui, local kura and community, Niwa and Victoria University of Wellington. But what's up with the seaweed that it needs help? One of the project science leads is Dr Christopher Cornwall, a senior lecturer based at Victoria University's Coastal Ecology Lab. His research focuses on how climate change and local stressors impact kelp forests. Stressors such as sedimentation, where human activities like clearing trees from slopes higher in the catchment result in sediments entering the harbour. It makes it really hard for seaweeds to photosynthesise, so they get all their energy from the, the sun, essentially, a reaction between carbon dioxide and light. And if they don't have enough light, they can't photosynthesise. Overfishing of urchin predators, such as large snapper and crayfish, has also meant that at some sites there's an overabundance of urchins, or kina. These graze on the kelp, munching down existing forests and taking out any new growth. And of course, there's the threat of climate change. What we're starting to see anecdotally is discussion from community members about how marine heat waves are impacting giant kelp. So there has been some recordings from community members showing that giant kelp canopy cover might be decreasing in years where we have big marine heat waves. We also had a lot of marine heat waves last year and we've been doing surveys the last two years so we need to look at the data which we just collected this year to determine how the seaweed abundance has been impacted by marine heat waves. But in saying that, we also run experiments down at our coastal ecology lab to determine how things like sedimentation and light uh, and temperature will all impact 
the different species of kelp. Now, Macrocystis pyrifera, giant kelp, is not the only seaweed in Wellington Harbour. There are heaps of different species, and we don't know exactly how many, says Christopher. But the dominant species are brown kelps, and the project is focused on them for now. Kelps are really ecologically important. They're perhaps the most ecologically important marine organism in New Zealand as a group. So giant kelp particularly, but other kelp as well. So they provide both food and habitat to an incredible array of biodiversity. The giant kelp itself is really important because it can alter the the amount of light and the wavelength of light that it receives, that other species underneath it receives. It can also alter wave action and nutrient concentrations in seawater. They also take up CO2, so they alter the pH of seawater. Essentially the opposite process of ocean acidification occurs within their within the kelp beds during the day. So they're really ecologically important. If we were to lose kelp, many spots would be absent of things like power uh, and other species that we like to eat, like finfish. If you go out spearfishing, you'll notice that blue cod tend to hang around near the giant kelp forest, and that's for a reason, because there's more food there. There are two streams of research. The first is surveying in the harbour. We have six focal sites that were chosen due to mana interest and scientific merit, and these range from really degraded sites to really almost pristine sites. So what we have at the majority of our sites in Wellington Harbour is ecosystems that have lost giant kelp and other most big brown seaweeds. So instead what they have are really just the hardiest seaweeds left or no seaweeds at all, so what we call kinnabarans. So a mixture of kinnabarans and degraded seaweed ecosystems. At our better sites, which is probably what most of the harbour looked like pre-human activity, uh, we have things like giant kelp forest, we have lots of crayfish, um, we have some mussels, lots of power, etc., and a healthy-looking ecosystem, sponges, etc. And for these different sites, have you been monitoring them across time? Yeah, so what we've done is a combination of different things. So we've measured temperature and light across these sites through time. And what we've also done is an experiment to test how different stresses could have impacted these sites. So we know from a survey that was done in 1990 by another researcher, uh, Cameron Hay, that there was giant kelp existing in many different places where it's now absent. We also know from our own experience that it has disappeared in some places. So the key question is to determine why it's gone and whether we could restore it and keep it there. The second stream involves experiments in the lab, where they can control light and temperature levels and simulate the effects of marine heat waves. What we found in the lab is that light is really important for seaweeds, as we already knew, but that even mild, what we call mild marine heat waves, so temperatures up to about 18 degrees, can have strong negative effects on the giant kelp here in Wellington. Once we get up to 20, 22 degrees, these heat waves start having really dramatic impacts. And at 22 degrees, we're seeing almost 50 to 100% mortality, depending on the other circumstances, for that giant kelp. So these are marine heat waves that certainly will happen in the next sort of 5 to 10 years, if not sooner. These are big, gnarly problems. Overfishing of urchin predators, sedimentation, climate change. They're not quick fixes. They need to be solved if kelp is to flourish. So should we be planting out kelp before they're sorted? Zoe explains the thinking. Some would say wait until we've tidied up the harbour and we've dealt with all the external stresses before we begin a restoration programme. 
Um, however, there are certainly some places in the harbour where we know we can succeed with restoration and we have to take a dual approach to this. We have to be learning how to restore, which is the kinds of knowledge and techniques we actually haven't developed fully. So we have to be learning as we're also trying to address these, these much larger scale problems that are around our harbour and that are around our land use and around our water quality issues as well. So I don't think we can wait to fix all of those problems before we begin our efforts in restoration. Love Rimu Rimu is a long-term project. And we are just at the beginning of the restoration efforts. So we did some pilots last year off a raft in Mahanga Bay. This year we secured a five-year resource consent from the regional council and that means that we are able to you know, experiment with, with restoration techniques and species and so over the next five years, this year it's quite small scale, but over the next five years we hope to expand into other restoration sites. This year one, we got together with our collaborators, Niwa, Victoria University, Taranaki Wānui, the students that we're working with in community, and we selected a number of restoration, pilot restoration sites around Motukairangi. And this site here uh, is where our community and our students have been planting out. There are two other restoration, well, restoration research sites um, that NIWA have been leading in Scorching Bay and Coe Bay. Uh, so this year our pilot sites are varied across those different organisations um, and they're very small scale. So we are every year hoping to build on what we learn. So the process will be try things out, build on them. If we have success, expand those efforts try and learn as much as we can as we go through it. So we're really prepared for this to be a journey of like trial and error and failure and some successes, glimmers here and there, that will kind of lead us on a, on a pathway to, to fuller restoration. Thanks to Zoe Studd, co-director of Mountains to Sea Wellington and the project lead for Love Rimurimu. Thanks also to Dr. Christopher Cornwall, Senior Lecturer based at Victoria University of Wellington, Tehera Nawaka. This episode was produced by me, Claire Kincannon, with help from Phil Vine and Ellen Rikers. Sound engineering was by William Saunders, and Tim Watkin is executive producer of podcasts and series at RNZ. Our webpage is at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld, where you can find out more information, see some photos, and you can sign up to our monthly newsletter. If you've got feedback for us, you can email ourchangingworlds at rnz.co.nz. Tēnākwe i mai. Thanks so much for listening to this, our first new episode of 2024. We want to make it a big year for the show, so if you enjoy Our Changing Worlds, please help us spread the word. Ko klek and kananaho. Have a great week. Kia pai. Te wiki.